We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live playoff edition game Woo! preview of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. I am beyond excited to be getting into this divisional round game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matthew Lane. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Happy playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Y'all, the rest of you fan bases have already been in playoff mode. We just got here. We've been out here chilling. We've been hanging out. We've been playing Call of Duty. We've been looking at draft prospects. We're just hanging out, waiting for the playoffs to start. They're finally here. I couldn't, I could not be more excited. And I'd like to think Jacksonville Jaguars fans, Jaguars fans, whatever you want to call yourself, Pumas, whatever you want to be, I would like to thank you guys for the fake confidence you guys have brought to social media this week because Ooh. this just felt like a very ho-hum game. And all of a sudden, all these Jaguars fans are all kinds of antsy to talk trash right now. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's It's gotten the blood flowing a little bit more for a matchup that, again, really felt kind of ho-hum up until that point. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence started it. He he <laughs> he came out and he said, you know, ah, stadium's not going to be that loud. I mean, you look at the list of the way that Jacksonville was this weekend. Hey, man, good job. Pump up your own fan base. I'm I'm on board with it and everything like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit different in Arrowhead. He he's he's asking for the smoke from Arrowhead's crowd. So if you are listening to this and you're going to be in the game, you know what to do. Make it make it loud. Interrupt that a little bit. Make it fun. Brent Shepard with the comment already. Craig dressing just dressing up for playoff divisional round. The man is wearing uh, uh, a Casey Sports Network polo. He is all business for the first round of the playoffs. You can just sure the, the energy is palpable. He is locked in. He is focused. It's a business trip today for the next hour, or if Maddie Lane had his way, three hours 
of game preview uh for I mean, Chiefs. If there was Jaguars. ever a time to go that long, it would be it would be a playoff game, right? Uh Boom. yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh they I, they'll probably get a little bit longer. Y'all heard it. Nope. Can't agree. Can can't agree. Three hour show happening tonight awesome. right now. I've been waiting to do a Maddie 20. <laughs> hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. We appreciate everybody hanging out. Uh, we've got, you know, 18 different shows on KC Sports Network covering the Chiefs every single week. So this is your place to come get a lot of different perspectives. You hear from former Chiefs like Jeff Allen, Mike DeVito. Uh, you hear from uh, a guy named Derek Johnson. Uh, he's he's all right. It's like Craig's best friend now. Um, you, you get all kinds of different perspectives from a bunch of different people. And uh, yeah, we got 18 shows. So hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review too. Wouldn't hurt. Uh, it helps grow uh, the iTunes channel as well. So, uh, and also, by the way, if you're on 435 this week and you're heading to Arrowhead, check out the uh, check out the KC Sports Network build board off of 435 at Raytown Road. I drove by it today because that's on my way to work. I drove by it. It was really cool to see. So uh, yeah, you might you might see that. Uh, we we did try to get the billboard to say Craig is great, but uh, nope. and we tried to put Craig's picture on it, but just no. Nope. Way too much. We want to drive people to the KCSN network, so we did the thing that we should have done. All right, distracting for drivers going by as they stared at it. Too much handsomeness. That's what the billboard company just said. It's just it's. Can we talk about the Jaguars yet? I think it's time to talk about the Jaguars. Sure, fine. We're going to talk about the offensive side of the football for the Kansas City Chiefs in their game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. First, we lead with the offense, and we're going to lead with the thing. That it feels like we've been hammering and discussing forever. But it's just the reality of things. This football team can't turn the ball over. They just can't turn the ball over, Matthew. Well, I would push back. Uh, they can turn the ball over once, twice. Just maybe avoid three or four of them in a game. And you're probably, you know, this offense is probably working just fine, right? They, they turn the ball over three times against the Jaguars. Jaguars in the first matchup. Um, so they did that and they gave up an onside kick recovery. So I would argue that that's losing the turnover battle four to nothing. And they still won by 10 points, which was more than 10 points until the final couple minutes of the game. So, you know, the chiefs comfortably won. The chiefs were comfortably able to put enough points up on the board. Despite the turnovers we've seen from that moment on down the stretch, the chiefs have been a little prone to turnovers and they come in a, a myriad of different ways. There's fumbles on special teams. There's fumbles from ball carriers, from receivers. There's interceptions being thrown when they shouldn't be. Just you can't turn the ball over. And especially if you're going to do it, there's no real good place to turn the ball over. But the Chiefs have you know, had a pretty bad knack for turning the ball over in their own territory. <laughs> opponents are in scoring position already. I think that's really where your big issue is. Avoid those. You know, you know, The Chiefs can handle. I mean, the Chiefs offense can handle losing the turnover margin by one or two. It's not perfect. It's not what the goal is, but they can handle it. I get a little bit more worried when it starts creeping up into three, four, five again, you know, like it has been at times this year. Yeah, that's really concerning, especially for a Jaguars team that's really good at turning the ball over. And I say that, you know, with a little trepidation, turnovers are a little bit luck based, obviously here. So, you know, you only have so much of that, but they are fifth in the league in defense in creating turnovers. They've done a really good job and, you know, they, they consistently force them out of the opposition as a matter of fact last week's game against the los angeles chargers is the first game in six weeks that they haven't forced a turnover and only one of those games was a singular one so they come in bunches 
Uh, and so this Jaguars team is good at leaping on you know, balls, getting interceptions, finding ways to force mistakes. And this is a little different team. That this Jacksonville Jaguars team is a little different team than they were the last time they played the Kansas City Chiefs. They were a little bit in the doldrums. They hadn't quite figured out what their offense was yet. The defense hadn't come around the, the entire way. They are a better team than they were the last time they played the Chiefs. Now, I'll argue the Chiefs are as well. There's more for that to be discussed here in a little bit. But the Chiefs can't put themselves in that hole again. They just simply can't, especially against a team that is good at taking the ball away. So protect the ball, two hands on it at all times. Patrick, don't throw silly interceptions there. Don't take those chances if you don't have to. Work it out in a way that you can mitigate some of those because this team thrives on turning the ball over and scoring off of those turnovers. And frankly, that's been the Chiefs' bugaboo throughout this year. Yeah, it, I think it's just it, for this for this team, it's like, yes, can they get away with it a little bit? But this is not the time to be messing with that anymore. And like, I think that's what the one of the points of emphasis needs to be is like in this time when, you know, you're 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 at the end of your you know season, you can't leave stuff like turnovers up for chance too much. And I trust Patrick Mahomes not to put the ball at risk uh, too much. It's going to fall on guys you know, not putting the ball on the ground and fumbles. Now I feel like they've had a little bit of on uh, when the ball gets on the ground, they've had a little bit of bad luck to this point too. I would say, um, you know, they they've lost a lot of their fumbles, but you know, I, I just, just ball, ball security. I think, and I think situationally, like just hold on to the football when you're in your own territory and you're in a plus territory. Like, like it's not as bad when you're in plus territory, I guess is, is the, is the line of thinking there. The Jaguars pass rush has some dudes has some guys getting better as the season have gone on. Uh, they they have a little depth to them. It's going to present a challenge, Matthew, with this pass rush. Yeah, so the Jaguars' sack percentage uh, on the year is pretty low in the NFL. I think they are a bottom 10 team just in terms of you know sacks per pass attempt. But if you look over the past few weeks, they've kind of been – it's been ramping up for them. So five out of the last six games, they've gotten three or more sacks – in those games. So the pass rush is kind of ramping up. I think you see Trevon Walker, rookie defensive end, taking a pretty good step forward. They're starting to play a little bit more cohesive as a unit. And I think you saw that kind of become an issue a little bit against the Chargers and Justin Herbert, especially as that comeback was coming. But now using that same metric, I do want to say why this is kind of an interesting matchup to watch. The Chiefs haven't given up three sacks in a single game since the Tennessee Titans in week nine. So this is kind of two things battling it out. The Jaguars are on this tear of recording sacks and making sure they bring down opposing quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is very difficult to bring down. He's very difficult to actually sack. And even when you do, he's usually you know losing like one or two yards on those plays. So that's something to keep your eye on is just which one of these two units that are both playing pretty well here down the stretch really start to take over. Is it the pass rush getting the best of the Chiefs offensive line unit? Or is this rested up Chiefs offensive line unit going to be able to hold a pass rush and check that doesn't really have a star? And they don't really have a ton of guys that are great at winning one-on-one. -on -one. They just kind of overwhelm you throughout the game. And they have multiple guys who are capable of winning at any point in time. They kind of search out a weakness. And the Chiefs whole unit will have to play together to avoid that from happening. You would think that them losing a player like Dwayne Smoot, who was excellent this year really really put on a show was really good for this team would would actually bring their sack 
numbers down, bring their pressure numbers down, and it hasn't. Roy Robertson-Harris has been really good. He stepped up in a big way. Devon Hamilton does a pretty good job of doing that. But, yeah, it comes through Josh Allen, and it comes through Travon Walker. Like, those are the two guys that you see kind of bring the most heat, bring the most pressure, and they work really well off of each other. I mean, you you saw multiple times this past weekend against Justin Herbert, a quarterback that likes to get the ball out quickly, doesn't like to stand in the pocket and take sacks, that they were kind of rushing on levels. You would have a guy like Josh Allen getting a little more depth or Travon Walker getting a little more depth and the other one working in inside mood opposite him and kind of a pincher sort of thing. And you know, Justin Herbert, who's good at moving in the pocket and good at manipulating that, had nowhere to go. Like it, w- it was just kind of dumbfounded for a lot of those and took a lot of hits, took some sacks. And it it was part of the reason why the Jaguars were able to claw their way back in this game because they got the Chargers offense to consistently stall out. The times that we have seen this Chiefs offense be even a little bit vulnerable this year, not just from turnovers, but the times that we've seen it has been when they've allowed a lot of hits on, on Patrick Mahomes against teams that have done a good job bringing pressure, good job getting free hits, and a good job of rushing low numbers and still hitting the quarterback. Now, that's true of every quarterback, but it's definitely been the case when we've seen Patrick Mahomes look mortal this year. So got to do a good job. Orlando Brown Jr., Andrew Wiley have a lot on their plate this week. That, that rush duo is good rush duo. So protect the edges well. And I think that this goes in the Chiefs' way in the passing game. Keep an eye on the Jaguars adding a second or third level defender to spy Patrick Mahomes and chase and pursue whenever he gets out of the pocket. That's something that they have shown. And that's something that the Buffalo Bills had a lot of success with in that big matchup against them. I could see some teams going to the well this postseason with some of that kind of look again. And the Jaguars are at one of the teams that actually has shown that they are willing to do that. So hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We appreciate everybody that is uh, that's hanging out with us right now. Uh, the third storyline, Jaguar is going to play some zone coverage. The Chiefs are going to have to test the Jags zone spacing. Is it going to be any good, Craig? I mean, that, that's going to be the question right there. The Jaguars, as of late, especially when defending trips, have really struggled with the spacing between their cornerback and their apex defender. That's the first player inside of the cornerback. And so you got to see the Chargers manipulate them a little bit by by running some of these trips looks, by having the number two receiver basically run a little bit of a, a you know a, a curl or something like that, an intermediate route that's basically a vertical release with the other two receivers running an out route, running a skinny post, and pulling the cornerback and the apex defender apart from each other. Now, normally you would look at that and you'd say, okay, well, you're going to have the coach correct that, bring the apex in, trust that you're going to pass off of the safety, but time and time again, they left that guy open. And Justin Herbert and a lot of the stuff that he was doing, and granted, they run a lot of stick routes. So, like, it it is just that over there. But that route is wide open. And it wasn't just because it was a curl route and you had a safety that was backpedaling out and there was just a bunch bunch of space there. That safety wasn't anywhere near it. You can hit that guy on the run, get a guy with some vertical speed, kind of run some of these shoot routes and get him moving up the field. And with a guy like Kadarius Tony, maybe at the number two, even Travis Kelsey working at the number two there, getting that player in space and taking advantage of the gap in the zone there is going to be massive. Uh, We've seen the Chiefs 
manipulate zone, man. It doesn't really matter what they've seen this year. They've done a good job against it, but especially zone with guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey, finding the seams there. There is a very natural seam in this Jaguars defense, especially when you go to those trips looks that I just think it, it, the Chiefs like to live out of three by one. I just think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity there for whoever's in the number two receiver slot to see that space and see that opening to find passes. And for me, I, I agree with what Craig's saying. I think something important for the Chiefs, too, is going to be making sure they stress this uh, Jaguars uh, zone defense vertically, right? So you want to make sure you're making them respect a little bit of a vertical pass because we saw in the first matchup, they the safeties were coming downhill. I mean, that's how we ended up getting Juju Smith-Schuster knocked out of the game. Andre Sisco was working across the field, but still coming downhill a little bit on the Marquez Valdez-Scantling hit a little bit after that. Like, the safeties were a driving on intermediate routes underneath, and I think you're going to see, one, teams are going to have been doing that to the Chiefs all year, but two, you have a very aggressive back line for this Jaguars defense. That is That was Andre Sisco's entire MO, was he is going to take absolutely anything he sees, and it's going to turn into a great play or a terrible play. That was who he was in college. That's who he still kind of is in the NFL. So I think the Chiefs are going to have to make sure they are staying you know, true to where they're supposed to be. They might have to force a deep shot or two down the field, whether it's an MVS, a Justin Watson, or like Craig saying, getting Tony working down the sideline seems to be one of their better, better routes in this regard. Just they're going to have to make them honor that deep shot because I think it gets a lot harder if you let the Jaguars start to creep in a little bit. Their middle field defense coverage, terrible. God awful. It's like actually actively bad. They are 100% terrible against tight ends. They don't fare a whole lot better against slot wide receivers that work over the middle of the field. They really struggle there. And one of their solutions is to have their safeties driving on stuff. If you force those safeties back out to respect the vertical route and some of these coverages, that opens it up even that much more for all these other guys. The chiefs really want to work there. So just, Make them respect it. Make them respect it in the first 15, even if you don't connect. If they respect it, that defense becomes a lot easier to pick apart throughout the whole game. That's what the Chargers couldn't do. No Mike Williams, because you broke his back by sending him out there too early. They had zero vertical threat. And then especially once they lost um, their other wide receiver, whose name I'm blanking on that was replacing him, they had absolutely no vertical presence on that team. It was all stick routes or Keenan Allen, go break someone's ankles and hope they're not doubling you. And the Chiefs can't fall into that same trap by not sending guys downfield. You look at last uh, last time that these two teams matched up, Travis Kelsey had a 46-yard catch. Marquez Valdez-Scaling, 36-yard catch. Kadarius Tony had that 23-yard fade down the sideline. Juju Smith-Schooner caught one for 25. I don't think the air yards were particularly big on that one. But... It, you you just see like there you know that I think you're right. Just try to hit some stuff down the field, hit some stuff vertically a little bit. Um, it, it can you know soften some things up too. And, and you know the the thing is like this is like this is a really young secondary. Like this is a very young secondary. You got to go test them. They've got a couple guys that are second year players in the back end of their defense playing heavy minutes with Tyson or heavy heavy time with with Tyson Campbell and Andre Cisco. So, you know, go challenge, go challenge. You talked about the, you know, maybe the lack of discipline from an Andre Cisco. Uh, yeah, you might want to go test him. I'm not testing Tucker Franklin, especially if he's going to tell me about DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL division around, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. 
Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I love doing the stepped-up same-game parlays. I've been doing the anytime touchdown score parlays. They're always fun, and you always got a chance, as BJ Kissel says. And here's what you got to do. got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Uh, really appreciate everybody. Leave some comments if you'd like. We're uh, we're all pretty excited here to be uh, to be previewing this game. It's playoff season. It's kind of the time that we've all been looking forward to. But yeah, just stick with us. If you hit the subscribe button, you get to hang out with us and all the content we've got going uh, day over day. So we've got something posting literally every single day. Players to watch on the offensive side of the ball. What say you, Craig? We get one of these. Each one of us gets one of these. Once a year, I'm burning mine this this week. <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. The Jacksonville Jaguars are dead last in the NFL at defending tight ends. They give up the most yards, the most catches, most touchdowns. That's where that's not what they do well. They do not defend it well. It's a good thing the Chiefs have the best tight end in the NFL because they're going to lean on him a lot this week. We see in the playoffs Patrick Mahomes when he is dialed in. They've got the game plan tailor-made to beat the opponent. Where does he go? More often than not, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's going to get a ton of targets this week. I I have no idea what the over is or what his line is this week, but I'm hammering the over. I just am hammering the over because he's going to have a big game against these guys. He wants to go out, set a precedent, start fast, score touchdowns, get up big because they got bigger fish to fry. You know, not just talking about Bills and Bengals. I'm talking about trying to win a Super Bowl here. So I expect a monster game. 
straight out of the gate from Travis Kelsey this week? I think that's the very clear like answer to this, looking what tight ends do to the Jaguars every single time they go up against them. I am going to go with the uh, the other receiver option over the middle of the field and in the intermediate areas. We're going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. Getting knocked out of the last game, you know, he's come out and you know he's addressed it, say, saying that uh, Andre Sisco reached out to him. And I don't think the hit on Juju Smith-Schuster was in any way, shape, or form dirty. I think it probably should have been a penalty, but it wasn't dirty at all. It was just a bad, unlucky hit. But I think you know you're going to come out to this game and you're going to have a little chip on your shoulder of wanting to get back out there and show them what you can do. I think the Chiefs have started to shy away from funneling some offense through him, and I think I. This is one of the few times where I think it might be trying to keep a little bit of their plan under wraps. It's one of the few times where I will actually buy the conspiracy theory that the Chiefs are trying not to show all of their cards before it matters. Because when it got tight there in the middle of the season, when they were trying to figure out everything, he was a huge part of the offense. Down the stretch, he's kind of only been relied on on third downs or when things are stalling out. I think you're going to see that early season version of Juju Smith-Schuster when they start getting things clicking. So Travis Kelsey's undoubtedly going to get a ton of attention because of how good he is. I think that's going to leave a lot of other space over the middle of the field. You make them respect the vertical route. You pay a lot of attention to Travis Kelsey. There's a whole lot of open space for Juju to run around. So like I could really see him having a huge game for the Chiefs in all those avoided areas. You know, we, we're not sure the status of McCool Hardman moving forward for, for the remainder of the playoffs. We know he's out for this week. And the the guy best equipped to, to operate and the guy that has done a outstanding job doing what McCole Hardman has been doing for this offense with some of the manufactured touches behind the line of scrimmage, getting, you know, speed to the edge, uh, you know, some of the you know, the touch passes. It's been Kadarius Tony. And the last time that these two teams matched up, Kadarius Tony kind of had his coming out party. I think he had four catches, 57 yards and a touchdown. Um, he had two carries for 33 yards. I mean, that's 90 total yards that he put on the, on the field there. And I think, you know, I, I love what he's been able to do to this offense when he's healthy, you know, there's been some, you know, injury concerns with some soft tissue stuff. And he was dealing with that one with, he was with the giants, but when he's on the field, he's electric. He's a, he's a guy that factors in significantly to this football team. And he's had a lot of time to kind of get integrated into this offense to kind of understand what is expected of him and what is needed of him uh, on a week to week basis. And like, I think that's the role that he's going to take on is, is that McColl Hardman role. He maybe doesn't have the, the highest gear that McColl does, but he, what he does, what he doesn't have there, he makes up for with a lot of, you know, a lot of that um, wiggle to him and a lot of change of direction, ability and creativity and space. And so I'm excited to see what he does for this offense I think you're going to see him in a bigger role than you're, you're anticipating right now because I think this team has shown, hey, this is the kind of stuff we want to do specifically in the red zone. And I think you know they're going to try to get him some touches out there in space as well. Let's talk about the defense now. And we're going to start with defending 12 personnel. Point of emphasis this week, Matthew? Yeah, it's a personnel grouping that the Jaguars will like to go into. And what... It does a couple things for them because Evan, it's kind of like a miniature version of the Chiefs, right? Because Evan Ingram can act as a de facto wide receiver and can beat man coverage if you do get a safety matched up on him or one of your corners or whatever, he can actively still win that matchup one on one. So you have to treat him in coverage like some form of wide receiver. He's just good enough as a blocker. I think he's a little bit more French than even Kelsey is, but he's just good enough as a blocker that they like to get him out of move or give him an easy down block, usually up on the second level. And they utilize those two tight ends if you're going to play lighter personnel to get Travis Etienne out on the edge a lot. 
They like to get runs out wide, utilize the speed they have, and this allows them to use multiple tight ends, let Ingram, who's not a great blocker, getting out into space. Like That's how they threaten you with the run at a 12 personnel. Then now you go into the pass. Now you're getting into it again. You have a tight end that acts as a wide receiver out there. That already creates a matchup nightmare if you're playing against the run against when you see this heavier personnel. So they, they do prevent a little bit of a unique matchup problem that not a lot of other teams, especially ones that are left in the playoffs, you really think of like this. Now, I will argue that the Chiefs having Travis Kelsey, what they see in practice are probably very well equipped to handle this. They see this all year long, not, not just season, but all year long when it comes to football stuff. They are very well aware of what you do when you have a receiving tight end you know, of this caliber, but it is a, something the Jaguars have used as a weapon, and they've really used it really well to get guys, you know, to get ETN out in space. Like That's where I think they've been most impressive with it, is running out of it, and that's funny because Evan Ingram's biggest weakness as a player is probably his blocking, but they have found a way to weaponize that and then still use the run game and get that speed out going in the open field. Part of that's because of where Evan Ingram lines up. He's not necessarily lining up as a true inline tight end. Now, they run a lot of stuff where they got the 12 personnel and they've got YY to one side and the two other receivers is a two-by-two set with with both tight ends aligned on one side of the line there that causes a natural shift. And then they'll run away from that. Like Again, like Maddie said, you're not going to lean on Evan Ingram as an inline blocker as much. But they'll also line him up as an H-back. They'll line him up as a condensed receiver and kind of have him climb to the second level block guys. They'll line him up in the backfield as a fullback in some of their in some of their gun looks. Like they they use him all over the place. He's a guy that they're gonna have to pay attention to all game long. And I know that it's easy to just say, I know what what defenses do where they just say, Hey, listen, Travis Kelsey's a receiver. We're gonna treat him as a receiver if we get beat by him in the run game a little bit. No worries. Like, it's not a big deal. We know this team wants to pass. That's not necessarily the case with the Jaguars. A lot of what they do stems from getting the ball in Travis Etienne's hands. And yes, Trevor Lawrence looked great. Yes, they've got a set of receivers that, frankly, is playing really well. But a lot of their explosive stuff that they like to hit and they like to do comes from these gap scheme runs where they get Evan Ingram on the move. They'll get a guard pulling out in space and then they'll let Travis Etienne just continue to bounce and bounce and bounce until he finds the edge, puts his foot in the ground and uses that explosion to get upfield. He does not want to run on the interior. And so you have to defend the edges really well. Chiefs have good edge setting, you know, defensive ends. They do a really good job with that. But when you get that extra blocker, you create that extra gap by the guy being on the move, Evan Ingram being on the move. It doesn't matter who it is. You've got to have somebody that is willing to come downhill and set the edge. And so far this season, yes, the DBs are willing and they like to slip blocks and things like that. But it's been guys like Leo Chanel, Willie Gay Jr. that have been the guys that have come up and made the big plays in those runs. And that requires you to be in your base defense where you're not good defending the pass and they're going to have Evan Ingram running into space. And so it creates this weird blend of damned if you do, damned if you don't against this defense, especially since they can be so explosive on the ground, can be explosive through the air with that personnel. It creates a unique opportunity here. Steve Spagnuolo has to really decide what he wants to do. Keep keep Legereus Need in the slot there, play him in the box, play Justin Reed in the box, maybe go single high. There's a lot of different options that they can use that's not just the base defense, but I do expect that on some early downs, we're going to see plenty of Leo Chanel because they're going to want to set that edge create a negative play or a short gain, and then get into the nickel and try and stop Trevor Lawrence on second down. 
Did you guys know that Doug Peterson used to coach for the Chiefs and was what an win? Andy Reid disciple? Did you know that? I some of the things that I see the Jaguars do with Evan Ingram, it's it's not Travis Kelsey, but they're able to manipulate and create matchups for Evan Ingram the same way the Chiefs are so good at doing that for Travis Kelsey. And like that's one of the things that they've been able to do in the middle of the field that I think's been kind of impressive is hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna create a little space. We're gonna throw some smash con. It's almost like a little smash concept here. We're gonna get some spacing away from the middle of the field, and we're gonna let Evan Ingram run a skip route or a whip route or a hitch route or an option route. We're just gonna kind of give him a little bit of space to work. That's been one of the things that, like, when I was just watching, it's just like they're they're not the same player, but Doug Peterson has a guy that can do some of those things that kind of help you know, help an offense and help a young quarterback succeed. Speaking of middle field coverage, uh, <laughs> probably going to be a pretty look teams like to spam things and they, they are going to tell you what your weakness is by how they attack you uh, in the playoffs. There's some gamesmanship a little bit, you know, at times throughout the year, They're, you're going to know what the chiefs or what, what teams think about the chief fence and where to attack them. And uh, it could be in the middle of the field. No, absolutely. And that's kind of what the that's what Jacksonville came out and tried to do against the Chargers in the first half was they came out and they went back to what they have been running essentially all year long, which is, hey, we're going to run a bunch of mesh concepts and our change up to a lot of this is going to be a deep crosser. And then we're going to make you deal with stopping all of this. And if, oh, you're going to play zone, guess what we're going to do? We're just going to sit down in the open space in these mesh concepts and then we're going to run them through versus man. So the Chargers recognized this. And what the Chargers did was really, well, they just drove on all of it. They got real physical at the breaks. They were cutting these mesh concepts. They weren't trying to run with them all the way across the field. They were using linebacker safeties or nickelbacks from the other side of the field to cut a lot of it. And they were able to force some tighter window throws. Yes, some poorly ran routes and a tip ball played a role and some of the interceptions, but the Chargers were generally defending it really well. Anytime that Trevor Lawrence tried to push the ball on the deeper crosses or some of these deeper, you know, back breaking or in breaking routes, he was a tick late because of how physical the Chargers defensive backs were being. And he had to kind of wait to see when his receiver was going to break through. So the Chargers answer was essentially just be overly physical and kind of slow it down. And that worked for the first half. But as soon as it got to the second half, well, the Jaguars changed what they were doing a little bit, but it also stopped working a little bit less because what you started to see is Doug Peterson came out and said, okay, if you're going to do all this, well, guess what? Now when it looks like we should run through, we're still going to sit down on mesh. Or guess what? You're going to play into this leverage. How about we just run a free out route because you're giving us outside leverage and we have a quarterback who can throw a 15-yard out like no one's business. So they're really good at not forcing it if you're selling out to take it away, and that's going to be the issue. The Chiefs, to stop middle-of-the-field passes, have to sell out. They can't do anything but sell out to stop it. They have to flood it with multiple players because they don't have the bodies. They don't have the, the coverage players to put there and cover excessive ground. They have to sell out. If you do that, you're leaving corners one-on-one -on -one vertically and outbreaking routes or safeties. And that's kind of what happened a little bit in the Chiefs' first matchup was they were trying to protect the middle of the field a little bit and they started getting beat to the outside or on some vertical routes at times. So they're kind of up against a, you know, a double-edged blade here in this one. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It really is going to be a, a tough one. Uh, Doug Peterson, really, it's a hell of a coach there. And he came out in that Chargers game and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to attack one player on this defense that we don't think can cover our guys. And you know who they attacked? Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray. Yep. <laughs> Kenneth Murray, the middle linebacker who struggles in coverage. Guys, Nick Bolton's going to play a very important role in both the run and the pass, and I, I hope that the run game is so good that if Doug Peterson chooses to target him in the way that they targeted Kenneth Murray, they put so much on his plate. Like, I'm not even looking at it from the Kenneth Murray standpoint and saying, man, that guy was terrible in coverage, and they just exploited all of that. They put so much on his plate. They targeted him in a way that they did not target other members of the Chargers. I expect that in the pass game for Nick Bolton. So Nick Bolton has a good game defending the pass. This probably goes very positively for the Chiefs. But yes, lots of mesh concepts, lots of mesh sit concepts where they're trying to drag the Mike linebacker either out of the zone to hit the sit route in the middle of the field or try and get him to kind of collapse on that sit route and just allow those throwing lanes to be wide open there because they ran so many drags, so much mesh. They are just trying man beaters with these over and over and over again and what the chargers did really well and i expect to see a little bit out of steve spagnolo is that they were leaning on what trevor was doing pre-snap and doug went away from this in the second half so we'll see if it comes back but trevor would send guys in motion so the chargers would follow him give him the man tell and then drop into zone and trevor would be kind of a little bit locked in so oh it's man coverage this guy's going to keep going this receiver running the route the way that he was. We're going to keep running this because I'm in man coverage. I'm going to run away from my guys. And then there was a trap defender on the other side. Guy sitting in the flat in the zone, able to collapse on that. That was one of those interceptions. It was really, really well done that they kind of messed with his man zone tells. If you can get them, especially if he's trying to play fast, trying to execute mesh drags really, really quickly, You know, trying to see those things really quickly and take advantage of those, you can mess with him a little bit with some of those tells. Spagnuolo hasn't done a ton of that this year, but there's been a little bit here and there. He's certainly done it the past three years really, really well. So I wonder if it's in the playbook and they've just been waiting for an opportunity to use it. This would be a time to do that and try and get him to be a little more basic and have to hold on to the ball a little bit more in the you know, second quarter, second half, whenever it is that Doug inevitably makes the adjustment again and starts relying so much on that tell. Then... Trying to tee off with your four-man rush when he's holding the ball a little bit longer. 
Trevor Lawrence averaged six point yard one yards per attempt uh, in the game against the of the Los Angeles Chargers, and honestly, I mean he was he was peppering inside of ten yards. They had a couple. I mean they had Zay Jones run free on the deep on the deep cross. Uh, you know that was kind of their big you know explosive play, explosive touchdown of the game. But a lot of it, their comeback was just was just you know peppering and spamming the inside ten yards and in like it was just constant. It was unceasing. So it's something to keep an eye on. You talk about, you know, we're going to talk about pressuring Trevor Lawrence. Like that's, it kind of fits into before, the same. Can, before oh, we go there. Okay, whatever. I do have Jump something in. else here. Let's I can't go. put it in the chat, so I just got to go. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence against the Chiefs only attempted three passes between the hash marks in the first game. Uh, completed all three because you know he only had like six incompletions in the entire game but uh he only he only attempted three in between the hash marks and you know if you even widen that out to the numbers you're still looking at only about 50 percent of his pass attempts were even in between the numbers he would they were throwing one a lot of balls at the line of scrimmage they threw a lot of quick screens a lot of quick stuff versus the chiefs because that pass rush was eating them alive but they also had success throwing it into the boundary right and we talked about the Chiefs kind of had to sell out a little bit to protect the middle of the field. So what they were doing is your outside corners or safety, if they were playing over the top, had to play a little softer because they were by themselves. They were giving up a lot of 5, 10, 15-yard outbreaking routes based on leverage. And I, I don't know if they'll do that again. That's obviously a lot harder to throw, but Trevor Lawrence, especially if you're not pressuring him, is a very good quarterback at throwing them. He's one of the best intermediate football you know, ball mm-hmm. throwers right now in the entire NFL, he prefers to throw it over the middle of the field, but he can throw that out route perfectly fine as we saw versus the Chiefs in the first game. So it's just, there's kind of the Chiefs solution the first time around was to take away the middle of the field stuff. But if they did get beat on the outside a little bit, we'll see what they do this time around. I think they should probably do the same thing though. Yeah, why not? Uh, Pressuring Trevor Lawrence, Chris Jones, we know he doesn't have a stack yet. And I keep going back and thinking about, hey, look, we're talking about some of this middle field coverage. Do you want something else can help protect the middle of your field uh, into your pressure and guys that are getting their hands up? I mean, like those two things can really help impact their middle of field defense. The Chiefs are very good at like their edges are very good at at deflecting passes. But I mean, even Chris Jones can alter this game in a big, big way, pressuring Trevor Lawrence. I think it starts with that, Matthew. I wonder how many um, hit passes Trevor Lawrence has this year. He's a big guy. Uh, I don't know if it's that many. I'm trying to quickly pull it up as we're going here. Uh, I, I don't see it when I'm quickly looking through, so he must not be very high. I honestly bet he's pretty low, even though he likes to throw. Oh, no, here he is. Uh, that's that's passing attempts. Never mind. So I don't know where he's at on there. He's. Uh, I just imagine it's not very high, though, because he is a bigger quarterback. I think he's pretty good in that regard. But I agree. Interior pressure. Trevor Lawrence, from a clean pocket, is – arguably a top three quarterback in the NFL, right? He is one of the best quarterbacks when he is kept clean, when he's playing on time, when he doesn't have to move, he is very, very good. I think he operates similar to how Justin Herbert does. He's not quite as fast and quite as rigid, but he's very checklist oriented. And so when he's not pressured, when he's not rushed, he can go through his progressions. I think he's pretty good at even waiting on a guy that he thinks has proper leverage or will become open. He'll linger on a read to get them the ball a little later than you would imagine. Something that Herbert doesn't do. Like that's a bonus. But what that means is when you get him off, you know, out of rhythm, when you start to pressure him and even just make him move, it turns ugly and it turns ugly fast. He's one of the absolute worst quarterbacks in the NFL when he's pressured. He is downright terrible when he is under pressure because all of a sudden that checklist 
You have to start skipping steps. You don't start checking, okay, is this guy open? Where's the safety at? You just have to kind of go on instinct and ad lib, and that's not his game. So what happened in that first Chiefs game, the Chiefs didn't pressure him a ton, but they were getting home. And that made him start to play a little quick until halftime when Doug Peterson got him settled down a little bit. The Chiefs let off the gas. He kind of started to pick them apart because the pressure came a lot less often. But what the Chiefs did was win with the blitz. They put the Jaguars in absolute hell with the blitz in the first half. The Jaguars had no clue who was rushing, who was dropping, who to pick up. They constantly left free rushers out there. Or if they didn't have a free rusher, Oh, go, come on, Kent. Come on, jump in. Well, just one of the things that, like, you can finish your thought, but I was going to let Craig do. I want to jump in before you do. So just finish your thought if you had anything more on that. Buddy, I got a lot more. Uh, so they would have a running back <laughs> would have to work across the entire formation to pick up a blitzer on the opposite side because they don't have the calls correct. The way Steve Spagnolo got deep into his blitz packages, you would see three guys possibly coming. You would have one guy check to be on Lawrence. That's his guy to beat if he comes. But what the Chiefs did, they somehow would get a guy on the opposite side of the formation as the free rusher based on alignment, the way they slanted it. And they were killing the Jaguars with it early in the game. So what happened is it went on. Now the Jaguars are having to call their protection calls a little different. They're now worried about picking up everybody. And what did that do? That left Chris Jones one-on-one with Brandon Scherf during the worst season of his career. That got guys isolated one-on-one with Jawan Taylor. That had Travis Etienne trying to block Willie Gay manned up with Willie Gay with the head of steam. Like, they were doing such a good job of not only pressuring with the blitz, but getting advantageous matchups that Trevor Lawrence never got comfortable until the second half. And by then, I would argue the game was kind of out of reach the way things were going for them. And that's when you saw the Chiefs kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. If I can just jump in real quick, quick, Craig, I All apologize. I, this doesn't happen very often, but just kind of piggybacking us. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm so proud of our of our boy, Matty. Like, he, he, he wants to jump in and talk defense. Let's, I let's just, let him. Let's let him. I just think, like, I look at it's kind of still offense. <laughs> I still look at it from an offensive perspective, but I just look at like Doug Peterson. They like he he loves to lo- he loves to run mesh. He likes the condensed formations. Well, that puts the Chiefs in an advantageous position to potentially be a little bit more exotic when Doug Peterson goes into those condensed looks. And you know that if you're gonna try to run all of your principles and your staples out of that condensed stuff, that can actually be problematic in some ways for for them. Just because I think Steve Spagnuolo is good enough in, in his bag enough, especially this time of season in January, to you know to throw some stuff at them when they do try to go condensed con- or condensed. So sorry, Craig. That no, was that's my perfect. Thought. Yeah. I mean, especially early in the season, every time the Chiefs were seeing condensed, they basically gave Whitley Gay Jr. and Legarius Sneed, uh, you know, free reign to blitz. They said, yeah. hey, listen, we'll cover you on the back end because you guys are so good at doing this. And they were blowing up everything. Like, there, were, there was a lot of that. And I think that tainted some of what the Chiefs fans thought about the four-man pass rush for such a long time because the blitz was so good early on that that's where a lot of the pressure and a lot of the sacks were coming from because they were screaming off the edge getting this quick pressure getting these quick sacks and so when it was late in the season and the Chiefs are third fourth fifth now second you know in sacks people are going oh that was all blitz it wasn't you know but because in the early parts of the season it was that's still in the holster steve spagnolo is still going to be able to utilize that still going to be able to lean on that chris jones i, I want to spend just just a minute on here i'm i'm sure it will be it's not my player to watch but i i want to get this out there chris jones is going to play like a man possessed in this playoffs um 
it, it's he's going to be a monster. And what you saw against the Raiders was just the start. That was a guy that realizes that he wants to play his best football in January. He's tired of having this albatross hanging around his neck, no sacks in the playoffs, not producing in the playoffs, not getting there in the playoffs. He is playing at a defensive player of the year level. He is going up against a very banged up interior offensive line that could be missing starters. It's not going to matter. Chris Jones is going to be an absolute mauler in the middle of this. I think we are going to look at this game, not just from him being able to say, okay, that's it. I finally got my postseason sack multiples. Like, I think he's going to be hunting Trevor Lawrence all game long because he knows the significance of this. He knows the narrative surrounding him. He wants to completely eliminate it. And frankly, one good game right here in the divisional round eliminates it, gets rid of it. Like we we can we can just bury it then and there because with the season that he's had, if he continues that into the postseason, yes, dead and buried, move on with it. So I've done it. I have found the batted passes stats <laughs> of the NFL. <laughs> Love I it. have done it. Trevor Lawrence, I was entirely incorrect. He's fourth in the NFL and passes batted at 17. Holy cow. Which makes sense, though. Throwing over the middle of the field so much, that makes sense. And yeah, hey, here's a fun fact. Here's guys ahead of him. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. Those are the only three guys ahead of him. Yeah, a lot of it kind of makes sense. A lot of shorter throws, a lot of guys getting the ball out kind of quickly. Wilson has tried to throw the ball over the middle of the field this year, so that's probably why that's jumped up. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence is fourth at 17. Let's go find Patrick Mahomes real quick. So he's 21st in the league at eight. Here's the thing. The person within even 100 pass attempts of him is oh. Geno Smith mm. at 14th with 11 passes batted or knocked down. Just the amount, the very few times that Mahomes is having a ball batted down is insane. Other guys tied with him, Aaron Rodgers, who threw 140 less pass attempts, Mac Jones, who threw 200 less pass attempts, Kenny Pickett, who's like 300, like, the amount of passes he has batted down is such a minimal amount. And then you have, you know, guys like Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, still in the playoffs, hanging out up here. A lot of them. Hashtag analytics. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's first interception of last week's game came on a tip pass by Joey Bosa trying to fit a ball on a little RPO, a little glance RPO. So uh, if last I checked, the Chiefs have two of the best in the NFL at batting passes on the edge in, in Carlos Dunlap and George Kaloftis. Just saying. Hit the and like button. The hit the, the interior. I was going to say, uh, Chris Jones on that line, Frank Clark on that line. Uh, man. Willie? Willie? Willie hanging out there too? Look, there's a no. lot of guys. God, I, Carlos Dunlap is tied for first in the NFL among defensive linemen and passes defense. And Karloftis is one behind him crazy yeah it's insane uh hit the like button hit the subscribe button please if you wouldn't mind also leave a comment and tell us your players to watch on the defensive side of the football we're about to give you ours and craig's about to lead us off i'm going legerious Sneed. last time these two teams played i think we saw legerious Sneed's worst game of the year he was targeted seven times he gave up seven catches for 69 yards, nice, and two touchdowns. So uh, easily his worst game of the year, I think. I think that was the point where we started kind of backing down from some of the luxurious need hype train because he was full bore before this game. Like he was playing, making impact after impact play, and it just kind of 
backed off a little bit. He's been good for the rest of the year, don't get me wrong, but that was the one that derailed some of the conversation around him. He has an opportunity to redeem himself here, especially since he may not play in the slot. We'll see. They have been rotating guys in and out, having him play on the boundary a little bit, having Trent McDuffie play in the in the slot a little bit. By doing that, I think you get guys that are more tailor-made for matchups. If Christian Kirk is going to line up in the slot, I think Trent McDuffie makes a ton of sense there, just like having a guy like Marvin Jones, Zay Jones on the outside, Legereus Need can absolutely lock those guys down. So I want to see a big rebound game from Legereus Need. Let's get a pick on the edge, drive on something out there, and he's going to have to tackle really well because ETN's going to continue to bounce and hit the edge. That's when we're going to see Legereus Need make an impact, coming up with stops in the flat, one-on-one with the running back. That can be huge this week. I want to use my time here on the player to watch to continue the Legereus Need discussion because um he got beat like a drum in that like first matchup. Drum. It was bad. Uh, Christian Kirk was giving him the business. It was not looking pretty, whether it was out of base and he was playing on the outside in the slot. Like It was a rough matchup. And we've spent a lot of time down the stretch here talking about how Sneed is shadowing number one wide receivers and all stuff. I fully agree. I think it's helped unlock a lot of stuff for the Chiefs. I wonder if this is one of those games where Sneed shadowing a number two wide receiver might not be more beneficial for the team. And that allows Trent McDuffie, who's probably got a better athletic profile, to match up with Christian Kirk out of the slot. And you can still give him more help now. If you feel comfortable with Sneed, covering Marvin Jones vertically like that seems like a dream matchup for Sneed he that's a matchup where you would expect Sneed to be able to erase Marvin Jones entirely from the game plan you know it's a vertical a bigger vertical receiver with some pace he likes to win downfield that's luxurious Sneed's specialty let him take him away you can now help against Zay Jones Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk Trent McDuffie's skill set is better suited for Christian Kirk out of the slot it went really poorly the first time around when Sneed was trying to keep up with the change of direction and the quickness of Christian Kirk That's not Steve's game. He's a longer guy. He's got longer levers. He takes a little bit to turn sometimes. He's physical. He's fast. That's just not his dream matchup. So I really wonder if you want to put him outside on a Marvin Jones, let Trent slide into the slot and take over Kirk. So that's why Trent McDuffie's my de facto player to watch because they've been working on this. And I wonder if it's for this reason, but I think this whole conversation is just worth talking about and considering because I think Sneed shadowing somebody else, it'll look like you're not utilizing your number one corner versus a number one wide receiver. But I think if the Chiefs do that, you're opening up everything else for everyone else. I mean, it's the whole Bill Belichick. Belichick, Right. Now, I think with Sneed and McDuffie, you can probably play matchups like this too a little bit. Like it's not just to get Sneed on the number two to open up everyone else. Just there's some receivers that Sneed might not match up great against. And Kirk, might be one of them. McDuffie might be one. So why not try this and give this a go at times? So I, I just got my eyes on that going forward. I too would like to use my time to talk about Legereus. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about this pass rush here. And I mentioned George, George Koloftis, Carlos Dunlap, guys that can kind of disrupt in the passing lanes. Obviously, Chris Jones, I think, is about to have a fantastic uh, postseason. I'm keeping an eye on Frank Clark still. That guy just has a knack for making some plays in January. He is fifth all time on the all time sack uh, sack list in the NFL. He is one sack from tying Reggie White. <laughs> He's getting it. He's one and a half sacks from tying or from ta- from. He's, he's yeah one and a half sacks from tying Chiefs great Terrell Suggs. 
I think uh, I think Frank Clark might be able to give the Chiefs a little juice here. Uh, so I am going with Frank Clark uh, for mine. Let's go to the predictions. All right. I'll kick us off. Um, this is going to be a closer game than I think Vegas uh, has it. Uh, right now, I believe the last I checked, the spread is eight and a half in the Chiefs' favor. I do think that the Chiefs are going to pull this out, but I think it's going to be a little bit back and forth. Doug Peterson is a hell of a coach, and Steve Spagnolo puts together a hell of a game plan. I think those two are going to create a very, very epic battle on that side of the ball. I think Spagnolo can win some early matchups there and try and come out with a really good game plan. Doug Peterson's going to counter. It's going to depend on what Spagnolo can do after that. He's typically been good in the playoffs at countering again, taking things away. I think that's going to be the key matchup, especially when on the other side of the ball, Andy Reid's going to come out and going to have a very effective offense. I think that they're going to move the ball. They're going to put points on the board. It's just going to depend how many stops can the Chiefs defense get? Is it going to be one in the three that they're going to allow a touchdown like they have been? Or is it going to be two and three, making this game a lot closer than it needs to be? So I'm going, the Chiefs winning this one in a little bit more of a high-scoring fa- affair. I got them winning this one 31-27. to 27. Woo! I love when we do these because this is something I don't, we have an outline. I don't ever put scores in there and Craig always goes first. And we, I would say 90% of the time we share a score prediction on at least one of the scores, right? At least one of them is the exact same number. Um, And you know, we're going to get there in a second. I think the Jaguars are going to be riding high off of what just happened for the Chargers game. I think you listen to them talk, you look at their fan base. They are very, very confident right now. They played great down the stretch. They got punched square in the mouth numerous times, and they still came back and won that game. I think they're riding high. I think it's going to be a little interesting for them. Sounds like the weather's going to be kind of bad uh, in Kansas City. That's probably not great when you're a team that plays in a stadium that has a pool in it year-round. I don't know. Just going to have to lob that out there. Into the hey, world. It was 42 degrees, and there were still people in the pool last week. Shout out to we'll the see, That's see awesome. The pool <laughs> rain. Um, so anyway, they're coming out here. I think they're going to start the game with a lot of energy. I don't think the Chiefs are necessarily going to come out flat like we have seen them occasionally do in the past, but I don't think they're going to match the Jaguars' energy off the rip. I think the Jags are going to come out. They're going to be flying around. They're going to be hitting. And for your scripted plays, maybe even the first quarter, it's going to look really tight. It's going to look like it's going to be this close game because Doug Peterson's going to have them rolling. Second quarter, Set going into halftime, coming out of halftime, I think the Chiefs, better talent. They're just superior talent, superior quarterback play, better defensive coordinator, more ways to win on both sides of the ball are just going to start to take over. The Chiefs are going to slowly start to pull away. It's going to kind of start looking like what you would expect a one seed looking like in this situation. I think by the end of the game, you're like, yeah, the Chiefs were definitely the better team. This is why they were always a Super Bowl favorite this year round. I think this is going to end up being a, you know, we're reminding you kind of game. I just don't know if it'll look like that from the get-go. I have the Chiefs winning this one 31 to 20. So comfortable, you know, two score lead, you know, two, two scores, two scores, 31-20. Uh, I, you know, I, I've seen this team, you know, I think we thought that, you know, this, the Chiefs might press a little bit. They might, you know, be a little bit anxious, anxious, intense in week 18, because this is their pursuit of the one seed. The Raiders are flying high coming off of beating the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not about to equate week 18 against the Raiders 
to the playoff game. But what I did see from that football game was a uh, from the Chiefs specifically was just the most workmanlike focused performance that we've seen from this team for a long stretch of football. And you heard the message from the locker room coming out of that game from Patrick Mahomes. Hey, take this week to get better. There's some level of focus. And like, I think the shift has occurred in that locker room where yes, Patrick Mahomes has always been that dude, but this is Patrick Mahomes team unequivocally in a way that it's never been before because veterans are gone. It's his, this is a very young core of, of, of players that is, that is kind of coming into the NFL under the leadership of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. And I have this weird feeling that the Chiefs are going to beat the brakes off the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where Brent, Brent, ba- it's, Brent, it's, it's, it's Brent, coming next Brent, week. Don't worry. Brent. It's not coming this week. I don't think. They better win. They better win. <laughs> I, and, oh, they well, are winning. Rant will happen, yeah. Rant's coming out now, Craig, because they are winning the football game. But I just, I genuinely feel like there's just something bubbling here where this team's going to come out. They understand, they know what the intensity of a divisional round football game looks like because there is a core of players that have been there. The leader of this football team, the leaders of this football team have been through this four straight times where they've come out of it victorious. They know what to expect in this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars do not. They have no clue what's about to hit them. Trevor Lawrence has no clue how loud Eric can be in January. And I think the moment is going to be too big for this young football team that's flying high, that's riding with some confidence. Well, you know, young teams like them, they climb the mountaintop. They 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 take a big step forward. And then, then they what? fall flat on their face. Well, it's Jacksonville's turn to fall flat on their face. Flat. The Chiefs are coming in. They know what they're going to do. They know what this game's about. And they're going to come in and they're going to smack the 9-8 and eight regular season Jacksonville Jaguars 37 to 20. They are doubling the spread. And hopefully they're hosting an AFC championship game in Arrowhead, but they're hosting somebody and it's going to be somewhere. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSM wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.